Hello, I'm Terry Schultz, and I am channeling Brussels, getting newsmakers, movers, and shakers to lose the lingo first out of the Brussels bubble and have real conversations about the critical foreign and security policies shaping our world. It's the rest of the story, beyond the few seconds of sound bites that make it into the news. This week's Channeling Brussels is brought to you by the Atlantic Council. And my guest this week is Sir Peter Westmacott, a long-serving British diplomat who wrapped up a tour in Washington last year and has also served in France and twice in Turkey. It's this latter experience I wanted to talk to him about because here in Brussels, we're in near constant discussion about the anti-democratic direction Turkey is heading under the increasing authoritarianism of President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. In sum, Erdogan's basically gutted civil society in Turkey, arresting a record number of journalists, human rights workers, judges, police, and tens of thousands of other government workers he's accused of having terrorist ties. On unproven accusations, they've supported his U.S.-based political rival, Fethullah Gulen. Then you add Erdogan's campaign trail name-calling against EU leaders, using words like Nazi, and Turkey's star is not exactly rising in Brussels. I've just spoken with the European Parliament's rapporteur on Turkey, and she says by summer she expects the full parliament to approve a measure that calls for cutting off accession talks by 2019 if the Turkish parliament implements the constitutional changes approved in the April referendum narrowly won by the government. Of course, that would require the commission and council to go along with it, and that's far from guaranteed. But the EP vote next month will still send a strong signal to Ankara. So back to Ambassador Westmacott. I sought his perspective on the EU's troubled relationship with Turkey because he's just written a paper for the Atlantic Council on his decades of engagement going back to the mid-1970s and his first tour there. Reading the retrospective makes clear there have been rough times before in Turkey's relationship with neighbors and allies, and I wondered if Westmacott could reconcile the Turkey of today with the one he'd known and loved. Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, speak with me about your new booklet on Turkey. And it seems to be a very key time for a voice like yours who knows the country so well to be uh, speaking out about what you know, because the political environment in Turkey looks so dark right now from the outside. It, uh, its EU accession is, is basically frozen, if not dead. Um, and many Turks inside the country feel that their own government has turned against them. Um, what do you see from knowing Turkey so well for so many decades from the inside? Is your view different than this? My view is that during the early years of the AKP government, which is, of course, still in power in Turkey, there was real movement in the direction of reform, modernization, and eventual Turkish membership of the European Union. In other words, in a real progress, probably the most uh, dramatic improvement in what was going on economically, socially, uh, and in terms of institutional reform that Turkey has seen in a very, very long time. So all that was a great opportunity, I think, and I was involved, that's why, in part, I wrote my little booklet in the process of trying to get accession negotiations between Turkey and the European Union started. And I think you know, we made some pretty good progress. I, of course, left that country a decade ago. Much has changed since then. Uh, as you suggest, uh, the reality is in the last few years, what with the failed coup, uh, and what with uh, falling out between two big and important groups, the AKP, the governing party, and the Fethullah Gulen movement, which were their erstwhile allies, things have begun to move, I think, in the wrong direction, and there have been uh, developments in, the, in, in terms of rule of law and freedom of speech, 
fundamental freedoms in the last few years in Turkey, a couple of years in particular, which are frankly worrying and I think not really what the people of Turkey and that remarkable country really deserve. So I think that was a fantastic opportunity. A lot of progress was made, uh, but I would like to see things get back on course uh, in the years to come. And you speak from a, a depth of, of knowing the country and knowing the people with all its its hiccups, its um, internal disputes, um, the very real terrorism challenges that uh, President Erdogan does have to face. Um, and and I sensed uh, sort of a, a more moderate voice, a voice that was calling on Europe also to 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 not cut off Turkey, despite the direction that Erdogan is taking, which seems incompatible with European values. Is that one of the reasons, one of the messages that you want um, to be sending with your, your look back over the decades? I think what I'm saying is that Turkey is a country which, in my view and those of, in that of the British government over the years, has every right to be considered as a European country and an eventual uh, candidate for membership, indeed a eventual member of the EU. It used to be known as the sick man of Europe 200 years ago. It's a founder member of NATO. It's part of the eastern flank of, of uh, Western democratic security. It's a member of the European Convention on Human Rights, uh, and so on. So Turkey has been a very important uh, force for secular democracy in a difficult and complicated and unstable region, and an important partner and ally for Western countries, the European Union, the United States, and others. Member of NATO, critical to the migration crisis from which Europe has been suffering. And of course, because of its geographical location, subject to the most terrible extremes of violence, terrorism from different directions, and it's got real challenges. But my, my view is that there was an opportunity, uh, that it is not too late for Turkey to once again um, be moving in a constructive direction towards uh, meeting the standards for membership of the European Union. Whether or not Turkey joins is, a, is up to Turkey and up to the EU, of course, but I think Turkey would be better for it if it was able to meet those standards. So. It's a country with great potential, with obviously an extraordinary past. I think a lot of future. There's an educated, vibrant, young workforce. Uh, and I'd like to see it doing better than it is at the moment. But how could you reverse what's happened uh, since the coup last July? You've now had uh, more than 100,000 people purged from office um, on, on accusations of, of, of even the most tenuous of links to Fethullah Gulen, the, the rival of, of President Erdogan. And, and he's also dismissed the judiciary. He's dismissed security forces. He's dismissed lawyers. How would you even go back? How could you put in place a judicial process that would meet European standards um, in any way in order to, to really prosecute those? That, that he says are guilty? Judicial standards that were in place have been set aside. Uh, independent judges have been removed from office. Some of them perhaps were members of this or that movement uh, with their own agenda. Uh, we don't know. Uh, one of the sad things is that almost none of the people who've been uh, accused of crimes have actually been brought to trial so far, and many thousands of people have lost their jobs on, as you say, pretty flimsy grounds. So there's an awful lot of that that would need to be changed. I think myself that with the end of the failed coup, with the end, as my Turkish friends tell me, of the threat 
to Turkish democracy coming from the Fethullah Gülen movement. Uh, this could be a time for magnanimous leadership. This could be a time for a, a very direct, uh, comprehensive reform process, resumption of the, the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary and other institutions. Uh, you're right that that's not where we are at the moment. And we've also, we're also got to bear in mind that Turkey has been subject to uh, horrendous terrorist attacks, both from ISIS because of its participation in the US-led coalition uh, against the, the terrorism of ISIL, and also uh, from the PKK, its own, if you like, domestic Kurdish terrorist group. And that makes the security issue uh, and the whole question of, of homeland security much more complicated to handle. It may be that there's an opportunity now for some kind of fresh initiative with the Kurds uh, based on uh, a new ceasefire and based on a continuation of the policies of outreach, which President Erdogan himself was the architect of in the early days of his uh, premiership. It's tough, it's difficult, um, but I do think that if there is an attempt is not made to put Turkey back into a better place within the next uh, you know, year or two, certainly this side of the presidential elections in 2019, uh, then it could be difficult to restore the credibility of those institutions. And, you know, Turkey deserves better. But President Erdogan himself has gone in the opposite direction. After the purges, I mean, which continue to this day, we should say, um, it, he, he consolidated his power. He, he um, went ahead with this referendum that the Europeans warned him against um, and won by a narrow margin and now um, is, is saying that he will, in fact, put back in place policies like the death penalty that would make um, Turkey basically ineligible to be a member of the EU. So does it seem that Erdogan really wants this rapprochement that, that you're encouraging the Europeans to, to um, initiate? I can't. I'm not talking about encouraging the Europeans to initiate it. I'm talking about initiatives which the President Erdogan himself uh, could take. This is a, these are about events inside Turkey. Of course, it would require the Europeans to want to keep the accession process going as well. I think that, um, you know, the death penalty, I think what the president actually said was, I will certainly not stand in your way if the parliament wishes to reinstate it. I don't think he himself has actively called for it and, and wanted it, though he has said a number of things about foreign enemies and accused people of Nazi behavior in European countries, yep. which was not very helpful, uh, to put it mildly, in terms of the tone. I think that, of course, you're right. Uh, a great deal of this depends on what uh, the parliament would like to do, on what the president himself wishes to do. It depends on what sort of candidates will be presenting themselves for the executive presidency, which will come into being after the 2019 presidential elections, which will take place, of course, under the, the new constitutional arrangements in, approved by the referendum in April. Um, there's a, a, a lot of change that would need to be made, but I think... I, I would like to think that those who are in power, those who care about the future of the country, would stop and think that for the good of the country, for the future of its economic, economic stability, prosperity, for the future of foreign investment, for the future of the rights of its own citizens, Turkey needs to, to get back onto the path of progress and reform, uh, which was there a decade ago. And you spoke with Erdogan um, years ago, um, you, you mentioned in the book, um, and he indicated to you uh, that, that he may not be a true believer in democracy, but he saw it as a, as a political vehicle. Um, are, are you concerned that that is, in fact, what's happened, that he, he wouldn't have any natural inclination to, to return to the Turkey of 2002? The reference you're making is to his widely publicized comment 
that democracy was like a tram car that you rode until you got to your destination. He didn't say that to me personally, but that was something that uh, Erdogan has said in public. And clearly that did make people wonder what his real attitude was uh, towards the democratic process. Now, the democratic process has, of course, kept the AKP in power. Uh, it, was, um, it came down in favor of the AKP when the military and the constitutional court sought to close down the political party, so it did go through a due process um, in years gone by. But what has been going on more recently with the dismissal of judges and constitutional court members and policemen and of other officials has been something uh, really very different. Uh, you know, it's for the president himself to to say what his own attitude towards um, democracy and so on is. Uh, what he clearly does believe is that uh, Turkey needs to look after its security. Uh, he does believe strongly that its democracy uh, and institutions were threatened, as do a, lo a lot of Turkish people, by the abortive coup of July of last year. Uh, all that is true. I don't think we can question uh, his patriotism and his view of the uh, importance of, of Turkey looking after its interests and making progress. But I think that uh, there are some question marks, uh, particularly about the criteria which would have to be met if Turkey was to breathe new life into the negotiations for membership of the European Union. You know, those do need to be answered, and whether it's about death penalty, which may be no more than talk at the moment, I don't know, or whether it is about freedom of expression, rule of law, and the independence of the judiciary, um, and, and I might add, if you like, transparency of business dealings. You know, all those are areas where Turkey is not at the moment uh, in a good place and where there clearly does need to be change. But, but what I take away from this is that you say both sides would be better for finding a way back. I think it would be better for Turkey and the people who live there. Uh, I think it would make Turkey more of a powerful and credible ally and partner for the rest of Europe, for the United States, for, for, for the Western world, not just for the Western world, for you know, the, the rest of Europe and of Asia. Turkey bridges the divide between uh, two continents, um, two cultures. It has a huge contribution that it can make to regional stability, to Western security, but also to prosperity and, and cultural links between its own people and many of the other Turkic-speaking uh, nations of Asia, but also its other neighbors in the Arab world and Iran next door uh, and the European Union to the, le to the West. So, yes, I think it would be better for Turkey, uh, better for the international community, better for everybody's interests if it was able to pick up the momentum of progress and reform and prosperity, uh, which were so familiar back in the early days of uh, the happy years that I spent there. Well, that's a good place to leave it. I really enjoyed the look back and the richness with which you could describe the country after having spent so much time there. Thank you so much for spending time with me on this, and I hope everybody reads your book. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. And that was British diplomat Sir Peter Westmacott, who's just written a new paper on his years in Turkey, where he thinks the country's going and how relations with Europe could have been different today. Thanks to the Atlantic Council for sponsoring Channel in Brussels, and thanks to you for listening. I'm Terry Schultz. Join me next time.